0: Welcome, welcome to the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast. This is the podcast where we dissect, analyze, investigate, and discover the amazing power of storytelling and learn how to harness it to supercharge our everyday lives. I'm Gaurav.
1: And I'm Kevin.
0: Kev, I'm coming at you from my childhood bedroom um, in Toronto, Canada. It's cool, I'm about to go on a little bit of a vacay. Um, with my fam so it was nice to kind of come home and just record from here the beauties of remote podcasting made myself a little amazing sandwich and as you know kevin i am just amazing in the kitchen uh kevin and myself captain america and the conductor lived together for like four years so kevin remembers all my amazing sandwiches and all my just expert cooking skills
1: yeah every week we would have at least one instance of a fire alarm it um, got uh, better
0: it got better over the years okay first of all it got better over the years i learned a lot college man is is tough but more importantly we lived in buildings with unnecessarily sensitive fire alarms i'm just saying these are like college dorms slash college apartments i feel like the fire alarms are a little bit too sensitive i'm just saying
1: well, whatever the case may be, you sure stress test those things.
0: You know, I, I put them to work, you know, testing, keeping us safe. I definitely think um, I learned not to cook late at night because I'd wake people up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, yes, I'm at home and I, I, I'm thinking back to childhood memories. I'm feeling nostalgic and something I'm thinking about back to when I was really young my parents and I and my sisters would go to the local Blockbuster, and I still remember exactly where it is. And I'd walk through the aisles, and we'd pick movies, and we'd come back and watch them. It was a ritual. It was really fun. It was that amazing experience of walking through Blockbuster aisles. Kev, you've heard my Blockbuster rant, but have I done it on the show yet?
1: I don't believe so. So if you have something to share... Nice. I'll keep going then. I believe...
0: And I strongly believe this. nothing against the smart people at um, Viacom CBS, uh, Kevin Fat that's who owns it, but um, nothing against the fine people at Viacom CBS, but I think they are wasting Blockbuster. For those who don't know, yes, Blockbuster shut their stores, and there's been a lot of talk about Blockbuster since Blockbuster versus Netflix, Blockbuster's emotional resonance. Um, people still remember blockbuster and people still have very fond strong emotional connection there was even a whole documentary on netflix about people's love and emotional connection to the brand that is blockbuster and this is what we're talking about on this show stories have value stories have monetary economic social value and Blockbuster is something with a history of decade, and that ended, yes, but people only have fond memories of Blockbuster. It ended because of convenience, not because of some big scandal like Lehman Brothers or something like that. It ended because Netflix became more convenient and built a better product. So this is my plea to the owners of Viacom, CBS, or whoever owns Blockbuster, I am pleading to you, do something with this brand, please this could be an nft project honestly release a bunch of blockbuster nfts i don't know hire us we'll consult on how the storytelling behind Blockbuster, sure whatever but do something with it because it is a brand with emotional resonance that can be capitalized if done correctly that is okay. my blockbuster rant and i stand by it
1: okay fact checking takes a bit but Apparently, it is now owned by a company called Dish Network, and there have been rumors that maybe it having association with NFT or streaming or whatnot. I stand by that.
0: I also love how you fat chat that in real time. That's amazing. We're not sponsored by Viacom or Blockbuster, we have no association, but what I'd give For this podcast to be sponsored by Blockbuster. How cool would that be if they do nothing else but sponsor this podcast? I mean, I would pay to be sponsored by Blockbuster. That would be awesome. Anyways, Kev, we're talking about storytelling. Tell me something.
1: Who are we talking to today? Well, today we are talking to Nathan Ball, who is a storytelling influencer let's let's call him that he has an
0: amazing way to put it storyteller influencer okay Mm -hmm. keep going i hear you i'm hooked are you hooked guess because i mean audience (laughs) because i'm (laughs) hooked i'm hooked keep going
1: all right yeah so nathan is a storytelling influencer who has been coaching people and providing great uh advice and insights to his audience uh, across many walks of life about how to tell a better story, which of course is great. If you follow his Twitter account, he does this very engaging form of storytelling uh, with his Twitter platforms. And we're going to talk to Nathan about his passion with storytelling, uh, how he is going about it, how he is helping his audience become better storytellers, and of course, how we can tell better stories ourselves. So, without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Nathan. Today, we are joined by Nathan Ball, who has an amazing story, uh, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, because uh, it is ultimately best to leave it up to himself to tell his own story. So Nathan, to get us started, can you tell us a bit about yourself? What is your story?
2: Yeah, first thanks for having me on, guys. I, I appreciate it. I like the, uh, the concept behind the podcast. It is very cool and right up my alley, so appreciate that. Um, so about myself, I grew up fascinated with stories kind of from a reading perspective. And then quickly out of school got into consulting and I, just the way I think I see stories everywhere. So started to see how stories affect business. So I came at it with a bit of that lens and then all of a sudden my wife decides that she wants to get her MBA abroad, which meant for me, I needed to figure out something to do with myself because uh, EY wouldn't let me work in Madrid. So I decided that the internet has a bunch of opportunity, and I also noticed that there was what I thought a gap in the market when it came to people talking about business from this kind of creative storytelling perspective. I basically read everything that I could on storytelling uh, from studying the authors like Stephen King, George R. R. Martin, C.S. Lewis, J.K. Rowling, like all these people who are incredible storytellers. And then also doing the same thing on the business side, whether it's Walt Disney or Steve Jobs, um, people like that. So just got really, really deep into it and have kind of turned that into my personal brand across a couple of different um, social networks and turned it into basically a consulting business, a newsletter. So yeah, storytelling has been a massive part of my life, especially the last three, three or so years.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I think uh, something that's great about us is that uh, we have that shared passion, as you do, about this idea that storytelling is a skill. Storytelling is a skill that we can develop and get better at, and that not everyone understands that. Not everyone initially gets that. It, it separates the good and the great, really, their ability to storytell and it affects every part of our lives so i think that's something really cool that you're doing and we love talking to people who get it people who have come to terms with that and already know that because they can see storytelling in everything it's it's funny we've talked about it kind of like seeing the matrix once you start looking for storytelling in things you see it in everything in advertisements and the way companies talk to you and the way you talk to yourself the way everything is told so we love that. We love a person who uh, dedicates his life to understanding
1: that and sharing his understandings. And with that, we would love to learn from your perspective or, or hear from your perspective someone who, you know, really dedicates their time in storytelling. What is storytelling to you? And, and why is it important that we become better at it?
2: So I like to break that question into two pieces one is what i call just storytelling what we've been talking about and the second is what i call world building um so i actually like to start with that second piece there the world building aspect and i think we see this both in business and then also in kind of like writing like the creative pursuits so world building is more around the structure that somebody will create a story through so think about the different narrative arcs that you can see in fiction, whether it's the three-act structure, the hero's journey, or whatever it might be. And then that's also like how an author will go about creating their world. What are the norms? What are the like cultural things that are accepted there? What are the laws that that world follows that may or may not be different than what we are used to here? Um, And then you look at that in business too, like I mean, Elon has done this ridiculously well um, with Tesla, where it's essentially putting that structure in place to build a hyper engaged community. Um, so that'd be what I would call world building. And then the other, the flip side of that is the storytelling. And to me, that is at its simplest form how do you get your message across to somebody else in a way that is uh, both memorable, and effective, entertaining, all those things.
1: That just reminds us of uh, one of the conversation we've had uh, in an early episode with Michael Euston, who uh, worked on every uh, kind of modern era Batman film, and he talked to us just how important the world building is because to make your audience believe in that comic book characters which back then wasn't really you know taken very seriously. You had to make them believe in the world that they're building first. And he walked us through you know how important it was to really build out uh, Gotham for them and throughout different eras. It was so important for them to kind of revamp how they wanted to build Gotham for the audience at the time so that it can stay uh, relevant throughout the
2: decade. Yeah. That's, a, that's a super good point. I've actually been looking into the, the Batman series, specifically the Christopher Nolan one. He's one of the very few directors in Hollywood that goes against the hero's journey and doesn't use it very often at all, like if ever. Uh, and I think that's pretty fascinating. Like you can watch all the Marvel movies and you know, if you've studied the hero's journey, you see it everywhere. But in, in, in the Batman, specifically that that series by Christopher Nolan, it's just, they just didn't really use it. And I think it's, uh, that's pretty cool that they were able to create a movie that did so well in a world that was like so believable for like a superhero movie without using that structure. Like, the creativity there is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, it's it's such an immersive world, Batman, and I think, uh, like Kevin was saying, when we talked to Michael Usland, it was all about that idea of like a real serious superhero that didn't exist in uh, thematic elements before Batman. And I think world building, I think that Batman aspect, that's some, one of the more conventional world building, but something you were talking about that, about Elon Musk and some of these other tech business leaders, how important world building is from a business standpoint, from a career standpoint from an everyday life standpoint and I think someone who did this really well was Steve Jobs um you know I I just finished Ed Catmull's amazing uh book Creativity Inc um if anyone hasn't read it I highly suggest reading that and Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger back to back because they feel like sequels of each other um Ed Camel talks about Steve Jobs in that way where Steve really became a better storyteller through pizza. And I know you've talked about it in some of your newsletters. So I'd love to get your perspective on how important Steve Jobs' storytelling skills were and how he kind of developed that.
2: I I got super interested in this question because when you look at Jobs' first stint at Apple product-wise, they were great came out with the Macintosh, all this stuff, very much on the forefront of consumer technology, even, you know, at that point, but for whatever reason, the company didn't quite take off. Um, It struggled, you know, this whole story, Steve was ousted, all that good stuff. I think you can go and look at what they were doing. I think it's safe to say that at that point, Steve Jobs was a average, storyteller at best um and much more of a genius on like the product side but he didn't wasn't really able to kind of meld the two together if that makes sense and then you know he goes requires pixar and in creativity they actually talked about this he was much more hands-off at pixar than he ever was in either stand at apple um and i think that says well a couple things one like his awareness of his own skill set and ability uh, to back off and let the people who are you know expert animators storytellers like do their job is one thing and then second is the recognition that he can learn a lot from these people that's what i really like to hone in on is like this is a guy who you know average storyteller goes into pixar learns from the best storytellers on the planet like Pixar's cranking out toy story monsters inc finding nemo cars all the all these things and he's there just getting to soak all that in and then he has uh one like one of his most famous quotes is like the most powerful person in the world is a storyteller i I might have mixed that up a little bit but that's the gist of it and that was from right around that time that he was at pixar so i think it shows that his mindset had really shifted uh, and that he had started to see storytelling as this like incredible superpower. And then you fast forward to coming back to Apple and then you go look at his product launches, what they did with the design of the boxes, like the pricing, literally everything that Apple did told the story of, we are a unique brand on the forefront of technology. Our technology is super valuable and it's gonna change the world. That's basically the story that they told uh, through their marketing, through their brand, through pricing, through product design, everything. Uh, and I don't think that happens without that standard picture.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think it was such an interesting idea where, where during that in-between time, Jobs got the chance to sit with some of the world's best storytellers and see how they build an arc, see how they build suspense, see how they uh, get audience excited in different phases, how they create they're creating fake suspense right they're getting audiences and consumers and people tied in and bought into these toy characters right and that's kind of one of the most beautiful parts about storytelling is this idea of creating the suspense creating buying getting people excited by something you literally made up um, Yeah. and jobs did that so well and it's one of the reasons apple's so successful today why when you talk to someone they're like oh leave it to Apple to make great products. They know Apple is going to create great products. They trust Apple. They trust Apple with their data, with their credit card information, with every single aspect of their personal life. And that has a lot to do with that idea of storytelling and Steve going and being like, learning how storytelling plays into business and product development.
2: Yeah, I love that. The Your point on privacy is a good one. Apple is, uh, I think over the last five, six years really, Hammered that story of oh, big tech is really bad for your privacy, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, Apple protects your privacy. That has um, been a huge driver of their ad, the ad side of their business recently, because Apple is such a good storytelling company.
0: It's that idea of intentionality and storytelling, which is so key. And Kevin and I had this boss who uh, would hammer into us that idea of intentionality of making intentional decisions. Um, mm-hmm. and I think intentionality, uh, is such a key part of storytelling because, uh, like you said, where he said he looked at everything, he looked at the pricing, he's like, okay, what story does that tell? He looked at the presentation style, he looked at the curves mm-hmm. and the fonts and, um, and he created stuff like the 1984 commercial, which many people are like, what are you doing? But he's like, the storytelling aspect of this company is as crucial as the product. And that's why Apple has become as prolific as it is today. It's because that, I think, I agree, it's because of Steve's time at Pizza. Yeah,
2: I I like your point on intentionality. It's something that I think you see across disciplines with storytelling. Uh, Like for instance, I did a deep dive into the Harry Potter series, actually. And each, like the fifth book, it's like 900 pages. It's a massive book but it just has one plot line and two to three subplots and everything, every single word in that book ties to one of those either plots or two to three subplots. Like that is super, super intentional. It would be so easy to have like 15 different subplots in a thousand page book, Uh, but she didn't do it that way. And I think that's one of the reasons those books were so successful. And then if you look at that parallel to Apple, like. Steve's second stand at Apple, he basically cut down on all their product lines to, what was it, three to five, I, I think, um, down from like 15 to 20, and just super intentionally focused their, their entire workforce on those products. Um, so to your point on intentionality, it, it's so important in storytelling.
1: I wanted to get into a bit of uh, what you've been doing with your own Twitter account, uh, because you're basically telling a lot of very interesting stories, uh, and I believe the latest one I'm seeing is the story with uh, Netflix and F1, and how F1 has been able to, you know, really popularize themselves in the U.S. market on Netflix with their show. But you um, really told the story in such a such an interesting way because a tweet isn't really that long. You can't really fit a lot of uh, sentences in there, but you managed to just put enough information on each tweet for me as I was reading it to keep on following to the next tweet. So can you tell us a bit about, you know, what you're trying to do there and, and what have you figured out about Twitter as a storytelling platform?
2: Yeah, great question. The way I, I basically bucket my content, there's one side where it's like, okay, I want to help people be better storytellers. And that's where I'll share, like, different tips on, okay, you can get rid of backstory here. Here's how to craft a great hook. Here's how to, uh, you know, add emotion into your stories. Here's how, you know, you can use a story log to start seeing stories in your life, um, like, all the time, like, that kind of thing. And then the second bucket is more of breakdowns of great storytellers and how they do what they do. Um, So to your example of Formula One with Netflix, like they use that show to put faces to a sport where the drivers are wearing helmets all the time and people don't quite have that connection just given that relationship. Uh, But they use that show to tell the stories of their drivers, the teams, and it's made net Formula One the fastest growing sport in the US over the last two years. Like it's clearly very effective. Those are the two main buckets. Help people become better storytellers and then break down what great storytellers are doing, whether that's in business or fiction or entertainment, any other genre.
0: Yeah, and I love what you're saying along the lines of everyone and everyone is a storyteller, and everyone needs to become better storytellers. And there's an art and a skill to it. You know, Kevin, and I similar both to you. Uh, we don't come from uh, entertainment or writing or uh, fiction um, backgrounds. We are both business students who are both doing data jobs, right? Uh, our full-time employment is both business data jobs, like, and the whole. This all came from us. Going on a ton of interviews as business students and realizing, hey, we suck at interviewing, <laughs> um, and we came with, and we came from this uh, aspect of man, storytelling is hard, and we and that's what we love about the show is we still are at that point where we're not expert storytellers. One of our one of my most consistent feedbacks at from work and friends is being better at storytelling. We're not expert storytellers. We just believe in it. And so we're talking to people who are expert storytellers and trying to learn from them and trying to study it because we think it's a skill. And I think something you were saying that was really resonated with me is this idea that people think of storytelling in a very narrow lens, right? People think of it as television or movies or books or... And storytellers is like writers or producers or actors. And some of these people are amazing storytellers. We've had some of them on the show, but we've also had data leaders and engineers and introverts and people who you don't see as typical storytellers because we know that storytelling is behind everything.
2: That's what, when I talk to different, whether it's founders, entrepreneurs, that kind of stuff, I'm like, I try really hard to get them to think about storytelling outside of just marketing and brand, because those are, those are super important. Don't get me wrong, but I think they're the obvious applications of storytelling in business. Uh, And I really push people to think about, you know, okay, these are your pricing tiers. Does that tell the story that you want it to? These are your product features. Do these tell the story that you want it to? This is your product roadmap. How does that play into the story that you want? Like all that good stuff. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to agree with you more, it's it's applicable, and I don't think I've ever found a discipline that's not applicable in.
0: Yeah, we haven't honestly. Part of it is for us trying to find it, um, but yeah, hundred percent. You think about pricing, for example, like you said, there's luxury pricing, there's economy pricing, there's these little storytelling elements that. Um, uh, me, I'm a economist by uh, my bachelor's degree, so I, I look at the world as, uh, in incentives. Right, I look at the world as pricing and things like that and uh, i think one of the first places i saw storytelling is when i got deeper into behavioral economics and i said oh there's a huge difference right and behavioral economics can be such much more applicable because you're starting to ask yourselves the more storytelling question because we're storytelling beings that's how we communicate that's how we enter the world and um i think you were talking about formula 1 in a very interesting way too about this idea of sports storytelling and because it's one of the most important ones where um people people love teams right it's funny because like the city you grew up in the city you're born that's the team for a lot of people those are the teams you love and it really doesn't matter who's coaching or who people come what players come in people don't follow players people follow teams because they buy into that team story even though the players change the coaches change and in some respects, it's like the ship of Theseus, right? Every 10 years, it's technically the same team, but everything's different, you know? Yeah. And so I think sports storytelling is a perfect example of this where it's like getting those fan base, that's a huge economic driver because it's it's the story behind the team. It's the story behind the players. It's the stories behind the rivalries that are tying and buying people in. And the sports is kind of the product that they're here once they already buy it.
2: And then on the, the flip side, like a lot of people are starting to say like people follow people or, or whatever. And I think sports is a good example of, of both. Like exactly what you're talking about with the teams and those like really deep histories of the stories. Like you talk about like Red Sox Yankees and all the stories that are behind that. Um, or like Duke Chapel Hill basketball, even like, UCLA, USC, like all that good stuff. The deep histories there and all the stories that are there; like those teams are going to be like forever linked because of that, and that creates very intense fans around those teams. And then it's also interesting to look at the leagues that are doing really well right now. That I think have embraced storytelling maybe more than others. Like the NBA has seen the average for franchise value. I want to say it's gone from like eight hundred million and like fifteen years ago to three point something billion now. So they're just like really outpacing the market there. And they are just crushing on the different social platforms and how they tell the stories of their players. Like the NBA really leaned into that. And it's massive dividends to the value of both the league and the individual franchises.
0: It's so much great education, so much great learning there about using social networks to expand the story of the players, this get the buy-in like reality shows do and it's it's like now nba is releasing all these tv shows which is connecting people deeper to the stories to getting more time on their of their lives to to use off seasons and i think that a great example and great learning of all this is how um the world of pro wrestling works right um that quote unquote sport where they are amazing at telling stories and uh it's all storytelling, and it's, it's such a great, interesting connection where some of these major leagues are now learning from that and starting to incorporate storytelling more in their lives. And everyone can do this, every business, every career, every team, to get that drawn, to get people excited about it, to get people into the cult of Apple. So I think it's one of these things where it's like we're seeing all these different arenas where storytelling is becoming so important, and we need to understand that so we can incorporate more in our lives.
2: Right. And I think it just gets more and more important. Like storytelling is, I think, the best way to capture and keep attention. And that is at the core of what a ton of businesses, a ton of comedians, authors, yeah, everybody is trying to do, right? it's like, realistically, most places are competing for your attention with Netflix, with TikTok, with YouTube. Um, And those platforms have incredible storytellers on them. Um, So you have to be a fantastic storyteller to compete and keep attention.
1: Yeah, for sure. And now that we've talked about so many different fields and and ways that storytelling has been uh, very well used and we've kind of really hyped up uh, the importance of why we need to become better storytellers, what do you think are some actionable things that we or our listeners can do to become better storytellers?
2: I think recently, over the past one or two months, the best thing that I've done that's super actionable that anybody can start is keeping uh, what's called a story log. That was a very tangible thing that I could do. And what it is, is literally just a two-column spreadsheet, date, story. So keep trying the date. And in the story column, take three minutes each night and write down one to three sentences of the best story that you saw throughout the day, ideally in your own life. And then what it's done that's pretty amazing to me. One, it's very consistent. It doesn't take much time. So it's an easier habit to build. Uh, But two, and I think, you know, Garab, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, it is the best way to start seeing stories everywhere in your own life. Like I went from, even when I started, and I talk about storytelling all the time. And I started this story log, lot. I was like, dang, like, I don't know what I should write for my story today. But then you fast forward two, three weeks and you have seven or eight different things that you could put there. Uh, so it's, it's helped me see stories where I didn't always see them. Um, and I think that'll help a lot of people too
1: that also reminds me uh of of one of my favorite youtube channel and it's a channel called yes theory and a lot of what they do is they encourage spontaneity when they do a lot of spontaneous stuff themselves stuff like you know randomly hopping on an uber ride and asking the uber driver if they want to go skydiving with them and when you try that a, a bunch of times and try that enough times one of them will say yes and that's a great experience there was this one question that they asked uh, during a TED Talk. They wanted everyone to ask themselves, what did they do last Tuesday? What their message there was that they encouraged people to think about, you know, have their lives been memorable enough? Have they introduced enough variety and interesting experience for themselves that have made their uh, lives memorable? Uh, And I think what you're doing with the story log there is also a great way to really tackle that question is uh, maybe we already have a lot of interesting experiences, a lot of fun uh, stuff we've seen or done that we are just not taking notes of. This idea of story log, I think, is a really great way of practicing storytelling and also recording our lives, recording our, our stories in a way that's uh, very convenient and uh, will turn out to be very impactful. So I, I really love that. What are some of your personal favorites, storytellers? We've talked about so many of them, but what are your
2: favorites? So I I also love sports. Um, you guys probably tell we talked a bit, a bit about it. I think Bill Simmons from The Ringer does uh pretty amazing job with their kind of collection of podcasts that he has there. He, he's one of the more interesting people to just listen to, I think, about anything. He just happens to talk about sports, but I think he'd be a great storyteller uh, really in any field, and he's built, you know, the Reiner is a, a pretty massive media business behind that skill set. Um, so I think Bill Simmons is one of them. Um, I think Ed Sheeran's pretty amazing at it. There's videos on YouTube, actually, of him talking about his songwriting process, his creative process, as in he compares it to a faucet that hasn't been turned on in a while. And he says, like, when you first turn on that faucet, like, most of the stuff that comes out is going to be bad. Like, it's like going to be dirty water or whatever. Um, he says, but if you keep that going, the pipes basically clean themselves just by the sheer force of, like, the volume that comes out, and when he starts to write a song, he feels like it's almost always bad initially, but if he just keeps going, his brain starts to pattern match, oh, like, I didn't like that verse, but this one line was good, then his brain says, okay, I'll write more like that one line, the next one's a little bit better, so on and so forth, until you know something comes out that he's confident in, thinks it's a good story, good song, all that good stuff. Um, and I think that mindset is so applicable to, well, to everything, but also telling stories. Like when you start doing it, it's not going to, you're not going to tell a good story the first time you tell a story or write a story. Like it's just not going to happen. It takes repeatable, very intentional practice to to get good at it. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. So I'd have to say Ed Sheeran, just because I love that video and learning more about his creative process. And then I think just in general, I have a ton of respect for, for authors. I think uh, writing a book is probably one of the hardest things anybody can do.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that. I think Ed Sheeran's example is so great about how creativity is so, I mean, obviously, he's a very creative person and how that that idea of faucet of working through creativity, working through problems, working through things and kind of just seeing what comes out until you can kind of synthesize into a final Complete, beautiful story. It's not something that just kind of falls out of people, right? Even people like Ed Sheeran, who's been very prolific at it, it's something that you need to work at, something that you need to be dedicated to, something that you need to watch and edit and play with, and it's hard work. And what I love about that is, again, this is a another very creative storyteller who has some very specific storytelling advice that you can use in any field, right? Um, And by taking that storytelling advice, by viewing Everything as a story, as a story that needs to be kind of birthed and worked with and molded. You can apply that in whatever you're doing and whatever you present and ultimately make a better presentation.
2: Exactly. And uh, John Mayer actually has another video on YouTube. I went down this whole rabbit hole of looking at different singers and the creative process and all that. And, And the John Mayer one is pretty similar, but he basically, he's doing an interview and a guy asks him, How do you write a song or whatever? And John Mayer just starts playing his guitar and then he starts just basically freestyling. And he puts together a verse. And then he is like, Okay, that was decent. And then he does it again. Basically the same song, like he's playing the same notes on the guitar, but he changes the verse a little bit and he does that a couple times. And then at the end of a two-minute long video, he has like a pretty good verse ready to go. And then the interviewers i him like what was that like how did you do that and he's basically says you know if you want to do something like you just have to start doing it and it's a similar concept to what ed sheeran just said and it's if you want to get good at something whether it's storytelling or whatever it might be like you're not going to get good just thinking about it you have to actually go and do it and be willing to understand that your first go at it might not be great, but if you do it again and again, like you're going to get better.
1: To close out every one of our episodes, we have this segment called Suspenders. It works like this. Uh, We ask you a fun, random question that's unrelated to anything, and you can give us (laughs) any random answer you feel like.
2: Deal, let's do it.
1: Question of the day is, what's the first thing you pack when you're preparing for a flight out of the country?
2: I will only ever pack a carry-on because I do not trust airlines whatsoever with check bags. So most things have to be smaller. So I pretty much usually just bring like clothes, toiletries, uh, Kindle. So yeah, the Kindle is one thing that I will always bring I don't know if it's the first thing in the suitcase i'm not quite that organized but it's uh, it's probably the thing that i will always bring yeah so i'd probably say Kindle.
0: that's a good answer i think for me um So I'm like going through this right now. I'm like, okay, what do I pack? And what do I, how do I bring two carry-ons? How do I pack my stuff? And I'm the type of person who for years will always travel with way too much too, from my parents. Uh, But uh, like, I will always travel with like a book and you know how few times I've actually read that book or like a book and like three comic books. So uh, yeah. And I know my sister just bought a Kindle for the trip. So I'm like, uh, maybe. Maybe that's the move. Maybe I can load some comic books on that and some books and make people think I'm reading. Welcome back to Top Hat. This is the part of the episode where we dissect and analyze some of the cool and insightful learnings we got from this week's expert storyteller. And this week, we had someone cool... Nathan Barr, who we're calling a storytelling influencer. And what's really cool about Nathan, Kev, is that it's always awesome when we we get to sit down with someone who appreciates storytelling as a skill as much as we do. Someone who knows that storytelling is essential for any uh, career growth, personal growth, life growth in general, and knows that it's a skill we can develop.
1: For sure. And and I think, you know, as we were... Um, learning from him how to become better storytellers. One of the the suggestions that he gave is just to, you know, create your own story log. You try to tell a story every day, try to write it down every day for yourself. And it doesn't have to be very complicated. It can be as simple as, you know, just two or three sentences. And that is important because it really builds up over time. I can recall from when we were talking to Mark Denenberg, who is a storytelling coach, and he was telling us about how so many of us are good at preparing, but bad at practicing, when practicing is really what we need to become better storytellers, of course, and to become better at anything. And this simple act of story logging is really going to help us practice how to become better storytellers.
0: You know, Kev, a great example of someone who uh, realized storytelling was important, developed it as a skill, and applied it to his everyday life was Steve Jobs. You know, Steve Jobs obviously is one of the world's greatest innovators, one of the world's first tech rock stars, and one of the things he did that was so amazing was he made Apple a lifestyle. He said, we're not going to talk about the features or technical specs because there's a lot of Apple products where you can actually find something more technically savvy on the market. He said, We're going to talk about the experience. We're going to make people believe that Apple is a sign of luxury. And that's really where your change means for Apple because they became this ecosystem you wanted to be a part of, a cult in a lot of ways. As simple as only having blue eye messages signaling, oh, who has an iPhone and who doesn't? It's a, it's a storytelling mechanism. And Steve Jobs is famous for his keynotes where he had just one more thing, right? And those keynotes became exciting. They no keynotes were exciting before Steve Jobs. So Apple is one of the best storytelling companies out there. And that's because Steve, uh, during his uh, leave from Apple, he uh, helped co-found Pixar. And at Pixar, he developed storytelling as a skill. He worked with so many great storytellers and he said, hey, storytelling is important incorporated that in his keynotes and his marketing his, his famous 1984 commercial and how he designed products and it supercharged apple and supercharged himself so i loved that conversation and there's such a great lesson and insight from steve jobs where it's like hey you can apply storytelling in literally everything you do just by going out and learning from some of the great storytellers because it didn't matter that they were in the entertainment field he was able to apply that in the tech field that's something we talk about a lot here it doesn't matter what type of storyteller we have we have a huge variety for that reason no matter what field you're in you can apply those learnings because storytelling is universal
1: and when should you apply storytelling when should you should you apply this amazing skill to uh, help you achieve greater things. Well, um, you should probably start now. As we talked with Nathan about, in any kind of creative work, and storytelling surely is one of those. It is important um, to keep your dirty faucet running. And what we mean by that is when you're, you know, when you're trying to tell a story, when you're practicing, a lot of the times you're gonna start off really rusty. A lot of those uh, ideas that first come out is not gonna be as ideal. And, but but that shouldn't be where you stop. As long as you keep the faucet running, clearer water is gonna run out. Um, And as long as you keep working at it, your ideas, your stories are gonna come out clearer, better, as long as you keep at it.
0: You don't have to be perfect overnight. Every time you can practice it, you're getting a little bit better and you're finding ways to become a better storyteller.
1: And that's going to do it. This has been another great episode of the Lennon Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast. If you like our content, subscribe and listen to uh, our other episodes and um, more coming your way. Follow us on Instagram at lspgpod. LinkedIn, Linus a Plastic Tie. We look forward to hearing from you. Leave us a review and comment to let us know how you're thinking. Thanks for joining us.